Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. All right, let's pray, and then we got a we got we got a cool thing going on this morning. I think so. Lord, come, 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 Holy Spirit, come. Uh, Father, I just this morning the worship was so cool. I just think your love endures forever. I was looking it up in the scriptures just a second ago. Uh, Psalm one thirty six is so cool, Lord, because it you know, the people are together. It's uh, and they're say, it says, "Give thanks to the Lord for He is good," and all the people would say, "His love endures forever." And the whole psalm is that. It's, there's a response thing to these statements about your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we just declare before you as a response, your love endures forever. And we love you. The Holy Spirit, anoint this time, please. <laughs> if you don't, it's gonna, it's just gonna be, everybody's gonna be thinking about fried chicken. So come on, Lord, <laughs> anoint it. It could be really powerful, if you will. And I know you will. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, want to uh, do this before we get into it because it kind of um, is related. But I want to highlight our website. Mary and Josh have worked really hard on updating a website. We had a good website, but it needed to be freshened up, and there needed to be some things added to it. I wish Catherine Gilmer was here because I've been promising her for about 15 years that we were going to update our our website and put pictures of you know the leaders and all that on there it is done it is done and I was thinking about I need to text her Catherine and say look at the website uh, I promised you it would be done it was only about five years ago but we finally got it done thank you Josh and Mary for doing that yeah it's really cool if you go on it it has our core values it has what our theology, just brief statements of our theology. One of the things that we have added and changed, we made a, just a very clear declaration of how we, um, what we think about the scriptures and, and uh, the, the value and the importance and emphasis we place on the word here. And we, we had not done that, but we've added that, it's very clear in our statement, and that was a deficiency before. Um, it also talks about our core values and things that we hold dear here, um, and, and it's all kinds of information in it. If somebody's wanting to know about Blue Jean, you know, particularly the younger crowd, this is a tool for us. It's an evangelism tool, it's an informational tool, and so it's, if you have internet, you can go see it's got our elders and all that. And, you know, you can see the list of them. Uh, these are all our elders. And uh, we've never really documented that. And, uh, you know, it, it, um, anyway, we're, we're coming. This is all part of getting our house in order. You know, as I have said multiple times for Blue Jean, last August 2020, we had a marathon meeting in here. And it was very difficult. It was a hard meeting. It was five hours, and we wrestled, you know, with important things. But we came out of that 
with, with clear direction of need and things like that. And we have been able, through God's grace and provision, to accomplish so much in one year. It's crazy. One of the things we came out of that was the Lord told us, you got to get your house in order before you can do some of the things I'm wanting you to do. And we have. We're there. And so that relates to what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, when we were talking, at, um, let me say this. The Lord, you may or may not be like this. It may just all come to you at one time. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 is, is a scripture that has meant a lot to me. 1 Corinthians 2, 10. And I want to say this too uh, to the, the people that are listening online and watching online. You are part of this. You're going to be part of this. We're going to try to be more intentional. Josh uh, had to watch um, Blue Jean on the internet, uh, on you know, Facebook or whatever for a couple of weeks. And it highlighted for him our need to make sure that you know you are included in what we're doing. You are part of this. You are family. And we're glad you're tuning in on, the, on uh, Facebook or whatever, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul writes, he says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And then he goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit being the spirit of understanding. That word revealed one, at some point in my life, the Lord highlighted that word for me, revealed by the spirit. And it highlighted for me the truth that God's truth and what God is saying to us when he's speaking, and everybody knows God is speaking today. We have to learn how to hear him, but he is speaking, and he's not a human being in flesh and blood like we are, so he speaks spirit language. Jesus was very clear. He said, God is spirit. That's in John chapter 4 if you want to look that up. But the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. Revelation sometimes comes like an onion for me. It's a layer at a time. It's a layer at a time. I get a jib here, and then somebody else says something, and I'm like, oh, oh. I start connecting dots, and there's a greater revelation or greater understanding, and over the course of chewing on things and words and, and ideas and, and thoughts that I feel like the Lord's given me, over time it's like, how it was when I was a little boy and mama would fix hominy because daddy loved hominy. I hated it. And the more I chewed the hominy, the bigger it got in my mouth. I could never swallow it because it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, that's the same thing. This, that's a silly, goofy example of revelation. It's like eating hominy. The more you chew on these concepts and these thoughts and these words, the bigger it gets. And that's really what's happening about this morning. Okay? This has come through weeks of revelation for me, of putting, connecting dots and bringing things together. And I believe it's a word for our church. So, recently, Mel, you were one of them. I, I was thinking about you this morning. Uh, you are a sneaky prophet in my life. 
Dane was a, a prophet in my life. He spoke to my life a lot. There are people here that speak into my life. But you've done that more, more times than I can count. And sometimes I haven't understood it, but over time, it, it, it comes clear. You've been right on, spot on sometimes, really have. And you, you said to me a couple of weeks ago, something resonated with me about this being the Father's house. And it was resonating with me too. When we sang that song, I know there have been people that are coming to our church that got smoked by that song, The Father's House. That when we sang it, it did something to them. It, it made them experience God in an in a unbelievable way. It was supernatural by just singing that song. And I know them. I know this happened. I heard the testimonies from it. And so I, I'm thinking that happened you know, months ago. And so that's, that song resonated with me. It just connects with people. And the Father's house, and Mel, you weren't the only one. There were other people that were like, we're the Father's house. We talked about it this morning. Pam, you even mentioned it. You know, and, and uh, uh, everybody, we're talking about the Father's house. Cherry, you mentioned it. There's something going on with us being the Father's house. Now, it, you know, I'm, I'm a little slow on the, on the trigger and on the uptake sometimes, but by revelation, the Holy Spirit continues to bring things up, confirm things, have, has, have people talk to me, and I see things and I'm connecting the dots that this is really the Spirit of the Lord speaking to His church just like the Spirit of God did in the book of Revelation. The letters to the churches that the Spirit he said, listen, for those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. We're no different. This is what's happening. The Lord's talking to us. He's telling us that He wants this, and we are, as Pam said, we are the Father's house. That's who we are. Okay? Well, if we are, we need to know what that looks like. Right? And I'm talking about family, we're family here. Well, Families have dads and moms, right? And so this, this has come by revelation. It's, um, it's happened over time. That song that we're, we've been singing, and y'all, I have to apologize to you. When I get onto a song, I put it on repeat, and I listen to it a million times. I wear it out till I'm sick of it. And uh, sometimes I do that with y'all. <laughs> Here, um, and but I think we're gonna sing that song, uh, "Robes and Rings," this morning, and I promise I won't do it again. But I feel like this morning we're supposed to, and I'm remembering uh, as I was saying, Lord, I don't want to do that that uh, thing that Hezekiah um, Walker song that we did, where you know it was the flash mob in Birmingham, and y'all we even danced in the street out here because I played it so many times, and I confess that that's a weakness of mine. Okay, so I'm not trying to inflict this on you. But I remember in the scripture, it was uh, one of the kings of Israel was told to get arrows and beat him on the ground, uh, and the Lord would defeat his enemies. And he only did it three times. And the Lord said, if you'd have done it more, if you'd, if you'd been really serious about it, if you'd taken this seriously and you just beat those arrows on the ground, it was a prophetic act 
of taking authority over the enemy to defeat the enemy, he said, I wiped them out. But you only did it halfway. <laughs> and so I'm not really going to follow through with more than just whipping them this time. And so I was thinking, well, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that beats the arrows on the ground nine million times. If the Lord tells me to do something and, and he's put it in my heart to do it, I want to do it with all my heart. And so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to apologize and explain to everybody why we're singing it again, but we're going to do it again because I believe it's a prophetic act again of us saying we're serious about wanting to be the Father's house. And we're singing that we want people to come and experience the love of the Father here and come and be whole and healed and experience God and love Jesus and follow Jesus. That's what we want. And so we will be singing it prophetically. In that song, Dante Bowe, as y'all know, says, I prophesy, you're going to get a phone call. Uh, there may be in the crack house, but I prophesy you're going to get a phone call. You know? And I was thinking, well, that's right out of Scripture. That's what happened with Ezekiel in chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel. He has a vision, and the, and the, the Lord tells him, Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. Tell those bones to come alive. Prophesy to the wind, the breath. And he did, and the bones came alive. You remember that story? 30, we don't have time to look at it this morning, but look at verse uh, chapter 37 of the vision that Ezekiel got. And, and the Lord told him, prophesy to the bones. And they, and they came alive. And it said a great army rose up. It was a prophetic act. And it's straight out of the word. And so you know around here the word is the foundation. It's the gold standard for us. But one of the things we don't do around here and don't want to do is read the Word and just read the Word. We want to do the Word. We want to live the Word. We want the Word to go in us and, and to change our lives because of the Word. When we see examples, we see things and instructions that the Lord has told His people for years and years and we see it and it's applying to us now. See, this isn't a religious exercise this morning this is an encounter with a living God and so when we read the word we respond to it we live it we do it and so it's like okay Lord if you want us to sing this song again as a prophetic act just like you told Ezekiel to do it we'll do it because we want to see the people come in to a relationship with you and we want you to use us to do it and so that's what we're doing and so sorry we're going to do it again this morning, but we're going to do it again this morning, okay? All right, enough about that. In that song, you know, one of the things, one of the uh, uh, verses or one of the statements, the lady, when she sings, when she says, you belong here, it just tears me up. There's so many people out there that don't think they belong. And they're dying and going to hell because they don't know. And we want to be the place that says, come as you are and, and encounter the love of God 
and be changed by the gospel. Okay. Well, you know, we've heard recently, I think too, if you add to this, that there is, this is a season of new beginnings here. And I think the Father's house is part of that. We're in the month of, you got to help me with this, Miss Donna. Tishri? Okay. That's, that's what she said. Um, but the, the Hebrew month, it was of, of new beginnings, right? Uh, it, maybe it's just past, but it, it's a new beginning. It's like uh, Matt Hobson came and talked to us about that. We're going to learn more about the, uh, the Hebrew calendar and that kind of thing. There's something to that. There really is. But it's a new beginning time. And I'm, I'm just finishing my term as a judge, and so it's a new beginning for me. We've been talking about new beginnings, new beginnings here and the Father's house, us getting that revelation that this is, we've gotten our house in order. We're well into that, and so now it's a new beginning to start doing the things to bring the people in, to reactivate some of our calling. And uh, so new beginnings. And so with that said, um, we're going to get into what, what the point of this morning is. Let me say one more sidetrack. Back in May of this year, we had a really important leaders meeting. It was a retreat. We spent the night, we spent a lot of time um, praying. Josh led us in it, and it was it was a watershed moment for us. It was, it was so powerful, so, so amazing, and there was so much direction and unity that came out of that time. It's crazy. And one of the things we talked about is for years, the way we do things around here with leaders, we just call them leader, leaders. We didn't want to be super religious about things and that kind of thing. So we call people leaders and leadership teams. And, you know, we've tried to not make things so religious and maybe to, the, to a fault, you know, maybe so. But one of the things we said when we looked in the scripture, we'd spent time in the word. And we looked at deacons and elders. We, we looked at what those things are for leaders. We, what, if, we were, if we were called to leadership, what does the word have to say about it? And so we, we, we read them, we chewed on them, and we looked at them. And we decided as a leadership team that we needed to, that we weren't really leaders like in a corporate sense. We were spiritual leaders, or we were supposed to be. And the word calls them elders. And so we said, let's call ourselves elders now. Because there's a shepherding aspect of that, not just like the Chamber of Commerce. There's a shepherding, okay? And so we changed the name from a leaders to, shepherd, to elders. And, and then it came up, well, do we want to ordain elders? You know, do we want to have an ordination thing because the word's very clear, and we'll talk about this in a minute, that when people are called to uh, offices and things, there, there's an importance that God places on setting it aside, making sure people are set aside. But at the same time, when it came up, I'm thinking, and I'm saying, but Lord, that's counter 
cultural for blue jean because we are a place that that doesn't have ordained and lay people. We we banished that term a long time ago because we believe we're all priests. We've all been called to leadership and ministry. Every one of us. There's no hierarchy. We're all in this together. And so how does that work where there's an ordination or a setting apart and we've got elders and that kind of thing? And so here's where we are. It's going to be all of us are going to get ordained this morning. We're all getting activated. Everybody. This is why we called it Activation Sunday. I'm so glad you're here. And for those that are online, you know, it's like the centurion told Jesus, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house for my servant to be healed. You just say the word and it'll be done. And so based on that faith that we have, if you're, if you're listening in this morning and watching in, and even for those that aren't listening in or watching in, but that are parts, part of this family and would want to be activated, I believe the Lord's going to touch everybody, whether you're here or not. But what we want what we're, what we're doing is if we're called to be the Father's house, then we can't do that on our own because I don't have enough love and patience. I don't have enough kindness in me. I get aggravated and agitated and I grumble and I can be critical and I can be sold up about stuff. And I can take an offense when somebody didn't do something just like I want them to. And when somebody comes in and they smell bad, that's not the easiest thing for me to deal with. And when someone comes in, we had it happen Wednesday night. This person's been here multiple times and he's using drugs. And he came Wednesday night and we welcomed him in. And let him come to be a part of our group and, and encourage him to come back this morning. He's not here this morning, but he's actively using drugs. And we just said, come on in. This is the Father's house, baby. You belong here. We're so glad you're here. You know, you're welcome here. We will help you any way we can. He wanted money, and we didn't give it to him because he would use it on drugs. But that's the kind of thing. And the very first time, I'll just be real. When he first came in, we're in our meeting. We're talking. We got it going on. And he blows in with his bag of stuff and his, you know, smelly self. And, you know, my first response was, why are you interrupting what we're doing? With the Father's house, that's not an interruption. You see? And so for us to really walk in this, we got to do like, G, like Jesus says and like, like it happened with him, like God has said, hey, when I call you to something, I want to ordain you. I want to anoint you. I want you, I want, not only am I calling you, but I want to empower you with my grace to accomplish what I've given you to do. I'm like, that's so simple. It's so simple. But that's what we want to do this morning. Because I think, I think you wouldn't be in blue jean if you weren't serious about wanting to be the Father's house. I know you. I'm looking around. Every one of y'all have hearts of compassion. You're kind. You care about people. You want to see people change. You want to see people come to love Jesus. 
You want to tell them the gospel. You want to help them become whole. That's the whole point. It's not to have a comfortable church or great church program. Although I would say we've got that now. Our children are learning about Jesus. They're learning about the scripture. You know, we've got good adult classes. We've got all the bells and whistles. But And if that's all we had, that'd be okay. But that's not our call. That's not the call of a father's house. We're going to have the heart of the father here. And the heart of the father is always about bringing them home. It's always about bringing them home. And we can't do that in our own strength. And so, I want to point out real quick a scripture. Look at 1 Peter. We're going to look in the scripture a little bit. 1 Peter. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. I love this. This is like one of, one of our life verses at Blue Jean. Right? I remember years ago over at the, the building with the, with the ceiling that I could touch. The, and you know how low that is. Verse, chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is what God says to us this morning. But you, you, Blue Jean, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who we are. We're not, we're not up here and others down here. We don't have elders that, you know, are ordained and everybody else just kind of is around here. Now, I, I, there, there are different models for each church. I know Christ the King is one of my favorite places. They're a sister church. I learn more at Christ the King than any place, and their model works. That's a good model. That's a very good model. They are killing it out there. And so we respect your dad and Bishop Chuck and just, oh my gosh, I can't, couldn't admire them anymore. They've, they've taught me so much. And so don't hear this, Abby, as a criticism. It's just different. That, that's the model out there. But this is the model here. And they both work well. And there are different models at different churches that work. So this isn't a criticism of anybody. This is just who we are. There's no hierarchy. If you're an elder, it's just to serve. It's not to be higher than anybody else. And we're all priests. The Word tells us that. We're a priesthood of believers. So that means you're a priest. I'm a priest. When God does a new thing, y'all, in the Scripture, He always does something. It seems like there's always activity on His part to accomplish what He's calling people to do. If you want to look at Gideon, you know, the Israelites were on the business end of the stick with the Midianites. They were getting their fannies kicked all the time. And God shows up to Gideon, who was, you know, the weakest of the weak and from the wrong side of the tracks and, you know, from the wrong family and it screwed up and all that. And um, God said, hail mighty warrior. And this is in the book of Judges in chapter 6. He says, you're going to set my people free from the Midianites. And he's like, are you kidding me? And, and so 
the story starts, and at some point in chapter 6, in verse 34, the scripture reads, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet and summoned all the people of Israel to come and fight the enemy. The Holy Spirit came upon him. It anointed him. It activated the gifts and the abilities that he had to accomplish the task that God had for Gideon. Aaron, the brother of Moses in chapter 30 and verse 30 in Exodus, he got anointed with oil. He got activated. Moses poured the oil on him for him to walk in the office of priest because it was a new thing for Aaron. He was going to become the first priest of Israel. And so he got set apart. He got activated. And the oil was like the Holy Spirit coming upon him to help him do what God had called him to do. King David, if you want to read them later, 1 Samuel 16, 13. It's when King David gets anointed king of Israel. He comes in and it says, I'll read this one. I love this. Sam, uh, David's my second favorite person. Jesus is my favorite. It says, y'all may be familiar with the story where David gets picked as the next king and the prophet Samuel comes to anoint the person that God shows him and God shows him David. And this is what Samuel says. The Lord says to Samuel, rise and anoint David. He is the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. He got activated. He got anointed. He got consecrated, set apart to do a job that the Lord had called him to do. Last but not least, Jesus had the same experience. He gets baptized in the Jordan. He comes up out of the Jordan and the Holy Spirit jumps on him like a dove comes and rests on him. The Spirit leads Jesus out into the desert and this is what happens with Jesus. Let's flip to Matthew 3. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures of what happened to Jesus. He was a carpenter. He was just a good dude. He was the son of God always. He was God always. But he wasn't activated in his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the scripture's clear about that. All right, look at chapter 3, verse 16. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, and him I'm well pleased. It says the Spirit led him into the desert, into the wilderness. All right, 40 days, 40 nights. He's tempted. He kicks Satan's booty, and he's ready to go now. He's been activated. He's no longer a carpenter in Nazareth. He's got a ministry. He's got a calling now. He's ready. It's time. It's the appointed time. And so look at what the scriptures say. 
Matthew 4, verse 17. He comes back from the, the desert, and it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's like from the time the Holy Spirit jumped on him and anointed him and he went through the desert, he came out, he's ready to start preaching. He's ready for a new ministry, an anointing. He's ready. He's been activated to accomplish what God's leading him to do. Look in Luke chapter 4. Luke says it this way. If you look in Luke chapter 4, look at what he says happened. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. He comes up. The Holy Spirit's on him. Look in verse chapter 4, verse 1 of, of Luke. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Luke is making sure, he, he wants us to know that Jesus has now got all kinds of Holy Spirit power. He's anointed for ministry now. He makes clear, it's a clear distinction there. And then in verse 14, look at what Luke says. Jesus returned home to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He's making clear that something's happened. The Holy Spirit has activated and anointed the ministry that was always on Jesus, but it was activated through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our model. Jesus is always God, but God wanted us to see the model of how he works. The Holy Spirit's the one that anoints us with the power to do what God the Father and Jesus, God, our Jesus, our Savior, want us to do. And it happens with anointing and the Holy Spirit activating what's already here. Look, you wouldn't be here if the ability and the anointing and the gifting to be the Father's house wasn't already in you. You got called here. So did I. But it wasn't called just so that we could be freer in worship, although I love that. We've been called to be the Father's house. That's a new calling for us. And I believe the Lord wants to activate that in us. I think he wants to consecrate us just like he did with David, with Gideon, with Jesus, with Aaron. It's like, it's time, but you're going to need my spirit, my power to do this. And so I'm like, sign me up, Lord, because I know I can't do it on my own. I've seen myself. I'm going to need tons of grace to do this. Real quick, and so what does a father's house look like? If we're going to be anointed to be the father's house and we're going to have that anointing to love people and to be a dad to people that are sometimes not the easiest to be dads to or mamas, works that way too. What, what's it look like? Look at Luke 19, chapter 19, verse 10. This is the story of Zacchaeus. I love this. I taught on this Wednesday night to the Teen Challenge guys. I will summarize it and then I'll give you the punchline and you can read the whole story later. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of my two favorite ones. 
chapter 19, verse 1. Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in Jericho. He's the worst of the worst. Everybody hates his guts. When you talk about tax collectors, you might as well be using sinners because they were synonymous. He was the most hated guy in all of Jericho. None of the religious people liked him. Everybody hated him. Everybody despised him. And Jesus sees him in a little tree. He calls him down and says, Zacchaeus, I want to come hang out with you. I want to just spend time with you. I want to hang out with you. And this is what happens. All, and all the people, it says so in verse 6, so Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. All the people, um, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He's going to be the guest of a sinner. That smelly person. I've been there. I might not have said it, but it's been in my heart. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, he's recognizing Jesus as Lord. Something's happened through the time and the encounter that he's had with Jesus. He's no longer on the outside. He's, he's saying, Jesus is my Lord now. And he says, I'm going to give half of what I own away to the poor, and I'm going to pay back everybody I've cheated. He's admitting he's a cheater four times over. He's been radically transformed by the love of Jesus, by the goodness of Jesus. Something radically has happened to this lost person the worst of the worst by just being exposed to Jesus and look at what Jesus says the world notice the world identifies this person as a sinner as gross we hate him they muttered they pointed fingers at him they looked down their nose at him they didn't want to have anything to do with him and look at what Jesus says today salvation this is verse 9 has come to this house because this man too is a son Jesus said, you're a son. He didn't say you're a tax collector. He didn't say you're a sinner. He didn't say you smell bad, you're gross. He said, you're family. You're a son too. That's what the Father's house looks like. Not judging people. Not being critical. Not giving up. Loving. Forgiving. Being merciful. Uh, same thing in Mark chapter 5 we got one quick little thing and we'll move on but look at Mark 5 and then we're going to activate <laughs> look at Mark 5 24 this is the woman that suffered from bleeding you know and it was I think women problems and back in the day, that was, that was worse. I mean, that was, they didn't have things to take care of all that. And so she was an outcast. She was looked at as gross. Nobody would want to be around her. She was broke as a hank because she'd used all her money on doctors that couldn't help her. She was, nobody wanted to fool her. Nobody wanted any part of her. But she heard about Jesus. And the scripture tells us here, in verse 24, 
A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt her, in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out for him from the crowd, uh, fr uh, from him. And he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? You know? Yeah, if any of y'all saw the 50th anniversary of the Bloody Sunday March, there were like 100,000 people here. It would be like Jesus, a rock star, walking through that crowd and people bumping up against you all the time or at a ball game, you know, where everybody's bumping up and saying, who touched me? And the, and the disciples are like, they say, you see the crowd, uh, 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 people crowding against you, Jesus. His disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? It's like, how? everybody's touching you. And Jesus said, he kept, kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. She told him the whole truth, and he said to her, she told him the whole truth. She didn't know what was going to happen if he was going to call her out and say, you nasty woman, I'm sick of you. Get away from me. You are so nasty, dirty. I don't want to get dirty with you. She didn't know what was going to happen. Look what he says to her, daughter. All of our junk, all of our grossness, all of the brokenness in the world and the pain and the mistakes and all the junk, instead of pointing a finger or saying, get away from me, you nasty thing, he says, daughter, your family. And look at what happened. Because she's family, because she's daughter, because she's now become a, a, one of the father's house, she's healed. I'm like, drop the mic. That's what the father's house looks like. Where people come and they're expecting what the world has been giving them and they get something radically different that heals their hearts, sets them free, and makes them fall in love with our good, good God. That's the gospel story. That's the gospel. The last one, and I promise this really is the last one. Luke 15. It's the prodigal son. My favorite story in the whole Bible. I am the prodigal. I want to focus on this. You know the story. The younger brother goes, asks the dad for all of his money, you know, for all of his inheritance, goes off, spends it on wild living, prostitutes, all that, and is broke as a haint, eating what pigs eat and are wanting to eat it, starving to death, and he decides, I'm going to go back to my dad because at least if I worked for him, I would have food to eat, okay? The son in this story, his heart was never right. His motives weren't right. The reason he went back to the father wasn't because he loved his dad. It was because he was hungry, right? And, and so um, when he goes back to the father, this is what happens. This is what he says before he gets to the father. In verse 17, chapter 15, when he came to his senses, the prodigal son, 
How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Sin, brokenness, bad choices, wrong choices, mean stuff, bad stuff, nasty stuff, all that stuff made him feel like his identity was like I'm just a hired hand that my father couldn't love me anymore because I've messed up too bad and what happens is stunning this is from the father's heart this is the picture of what a father's house looks like you get it this is Jesus told us this so we'd know what a father or a mother does when that person with wrong motive and offending the father and with wrong motive just like happened Wednesday night with the cat coming into the church he was wanting money for drugs instead of meeting us saying get out of here you've been here a million times you hadn't changed go on with your bad self we ain't got anything for you we gave him some food we gave him some bottles of water we loved on him. We invited him into the group. We said, you're welcome here, man. You be- I said, you belong here. We're your family. You know, come on. You've been here enough, you know? And part of that reason that I did that is because of this has been in my heart. I don't know if I would have done that before. If we're the Father's house, we got to act like it. And look at what the Father did. But while the boy was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him over and over. The Greek word means over and over. It's like, you know? The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. You see, the, the son's identity is centered. I'm so screw up. I don't belong here. But the father's identity for him is that of a son. He says, get the best robe and the ring. Put it on his fingers. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate in verse 24. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And so they begin to celebrate. The older brother who's out in the field that's done everything right comes in and he's all fired up mad about it because I've done what I'm supposed to do. This guy's getting a celebration and then, you know, what have you done for me? And the father's response to him is just as gracious. He goes out to him and begs him to come in. I want you to be a part of this. You're my son too. He He doesn't judge him. He's all about family regardless of what we've done. See, our identity is that of children, sons and daughters, not based on what we've done. There's compassion in this. There's kindness. There's forgiveness. There's enthusiasm. There's celebration and joy. There's worship. There's generosity. There's mercy. There's grace. There's love, love, love. That's what a father's heart looks like. And if that's what a father's heart looks like, guess what his house is going to look like? Isn't that awesome? Now, you know, I want that. I think the Lord wants to give that, uh, that privilege to us. And so this morning, I'm, I'm on, we're going to ask God to, to activate that. And we've been prophetically singing, and we're going to do it again.
And when I'm singing that song, I'm saying, bring them home. I mean, I've got people in my mind. I texted somebody just this past week that I hadn't talked to in forever, and I'm like, I sent them the link to the song, and I said, I was singing this for you today. Come home. I want God to do that more in me, and I want him to jump on y'all too, to activate the gifts, whether it's elder, teacher, uh, intercessor, uh, sound, sound booth, worship leader, greeter, hospitality person, person that just comes and attends. That's, that's so important and valuable because you're here. You add rich, rich substance to the stew by just being here. People that contribute and give money and time and all that. Everybody's a priest here. You've all got callings. I wouldn't be surprised if you wouldn't see new callings. The van ministry. I just looked at Greg. I mean, y'all just get up and do it. So awesome. There's so much. But I want God to anoint us. I want us. want him to do what he did with Jesus. I want him to give us the Holy Spirit to anoint us for ministry. Okay? And so how we're going to do that is a little stretch. <laughs> I got to admit, I'm a little stretched by this. I was riding to church this morning. I'm like, God, I, you know, it's kind of like I'm going to be a goober this morning. But I think... I want, I want everybody to put some oil on them. You know, oils are, usually in the scripture, you'll see oil used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It happened with King David. You know, it happened with Aaron. The oil ran down. And it's just a symbol, prophetic symbol, of his presence. And we're going to do communion at the same time, which is symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus, the life of Jesus. We're going to take that and pass around the little vials of oil and we're going to put it on our foreheads. That's a little stretch. We ain't never done that before. If you don't feel comfortable with it, that's okay. doesn't have to. But it's like I want God to know that I'm willing to be uncomfortable and stretch and do something that's a little different on faith because I've seen it in the Word that I want to do this because I want to say, God, I want this. And I'm going to take a prophetic act and do it. So you know in my heart, I mean it. Uh, when the Israelites crossed through the Jordan, went to the other side, God said, stop, get 12 stones and make an Ebenezer so people will remember what happened. That's what this is. It's a remembrance. And I believe when we do this in faith, the Lord is going to activate us. He is going to start bringing people because we'll have the grace to do it. All right. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, so... I know if, if you're scared of COVID, put your, put your mask on, and that's okay to be scared of COVID. That's no big deal. You can sit where you are, but if you're okay, come down front, put a mask on. If you're okay, just kind of separate. But let's come down front as an act. You know, the, the uh, stewards did that a couple of, maybe a month or so ago. It was so powerful when we all came down here and worshiped together. Thank you all for stepping out and goobing out and doing that. It helped us become a better father's house. We're going to do that today. And so if, you, if you're comfortable, come on down. We'll give you some oil and the Holy uh, Communion. We'll do communion, and then we'll sing this last song, okay? Come on down if you want to.
Yeah, yeah, I want to talk to the online folks too. You can go get Crisco oil. It doesn't matter, you know. It's just a common thing. But when we ask the Lord to anoint it and to set it aside, he believes us. He loves faith. And we're just going to do this as an act of faith. And so y'all go run, get some. And if you've got communion juice or, or um, a wafer or a cracker or something, get that and do communion with us too. All right, y'all, y'all grab these if you will, and y'all pass them around. We'll get them back from everybody when after we've done it. Okay. Thank you, sir. Hey, Lee, would you help me pass this out? Just pass these out. When and when we're done, we'll just put them back up here. And uh. so much in our hands. You know, the, uh, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And, and, you know, he said, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And the juice, the same thing. It's my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It's the new covenant. When you do it, remember me. And so let's take it and just remember Jesus is awesome. He's alive and he's calling us to something really cool. For those that uh, felt comfortable getting the oil, do it on your forehead. And that's just a, an act of obedience. To say, I want, I, want, I want you to consecrate our family to be your heart for people. Yeah. So we're just going to pray. Lord, you know, we're, we're just like little children. Jesus, you said, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you come like a child. And so we come like a child this morning, just with childlike faith, that believing that these simple acts that we're doing have incredible meaning and impact to you. That when we put 
oil, holy oil on our forehead, that you will see our act of faith, simple act of faith and obedience, and you will, you will consecrate this family as the Father's house, and that you will release and activate the gifts and the abilities on every one of us, regardless of our place and our part that we play in this family, that you're going to release the power for us to be a powerful place for your heart. So, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, come do to us what you did to Jesus when he came out of the water and anoint us with the power of the Holy Spirit right now to be the Father's house, to walk in love and mercy and kindness and gentleness and peace and uh, grace that we would teach people your ways, Jesus, and that we too would grow and mature in your ways. And this would be a place that you would say, that's my Father's house. That's what it looks like. Lord, release worship and, and celebration here, just like we see a father does when children come home. Give us patience and help us to uh, see with your heart and your eyes. And we say, Lord, bring them home. Bring them home. They belong here. We want them. And we will do everything we can do to uh, be the Father's house. And Lord, I will say this. I have found in my life, and I believe it's true, that your bar is so low for this. All you're looking for is a people that will say, yes, Lord, I'll try. I'll do my best. We don't have to be the best at anything. We just have to say, we're willing. We want it, and we'll try. And then you do the rest. So today, as an Ebenezer, do it today. We thank you. We receive it. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Yeah, come on. Woo. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.